This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to talk about how to be enough for yourself and also how to actually love yourself. So recently, I did a podcast episode on um, basically how to create the life you want by building your self-confidence. Now, self-confidence and self-love, being enough for yourself, those are very intertwined, right? You can't necessarily have one without the other. When you have a lot of self-love, you have built your self-confidence. And when you've built your self-confidence, you have a lot of self-love. And for those of you, you know, who have been listening for a while, um, you will very much know that throughout the course of my life, I have personally really struggled with being a very confident person. Um, I've also struggled with um, certainly loving myself, knowing my sense of self-worth. Now I have built it to a place where it's fairly unshakable. Um, It's kind of like Kevlar, (laughs) my sense of self-confidence. I mean, I can still get down every once in a while, um, but it's, it's pretty rare now. And that's because I know my value and my worth. I have learned how to love myself. I've learned how to do my self-healing work. Um, I've learned how to heal a lot of my old wounds and trauma. Now, a lot of my own personal issues really kind of started with certainly childhood. Um, I have two parents who uh, both have insecure attachment styles. Um, My father, I believe, is anxiously attached, and I believe my mother has disorganized attachment. Um, I, both myself and my sister, um, you know, struggled with secure attachment. And um, we both believe that we have had um, anxious attachment in the past. Now, particularly for me, I say in the past, because I am a formerly anxious person, formerly anxiously attached person. Um, now I've done a lot of work on healing that. And through that process, um, I've also been able to heal and grow my self-confidence. I've been able to heal and grow my self-worth. I am now enough for myself. That doesn't mean I don't want to seek out other relationships, um, intimate relationships or um, deeply loving partnerships. But at the same time, I don't now start out from a deficit. I don't start out from a place of needing a man to fill me, to love me, um, to bring me um, you know, a sense of happiness or self-worth uh, to bring purpose in my life. And I'm also not looking for a man to save me anymore. And in the past, uh, this is something that I did a lot of. And the other thing that I've really built up in my life as well has been loving myself. Um, now that has all come through knowing who I am, really diving into, you know, um, understanding certainly my attachment styles, but also my Enneagram type. Um, Also my Myers-Briggs personality type, uh, looking at masculine and feminine archetype, Um, you know, healing a lot of the other wounds. But, you know, all kind of three of these areas, being good enough, loving yourself and having self-confidence are, they kind of feed into one another. And so it's, it's kind of hard to separate them. Um, there are ways, you know, I, I found when I kind of worked on one area, when I worked on my self-confidence a little bit, it meant that I had to tap into feeling like I was enough, finding my own self-worth within myself, you know, based upon healing wounds and trauma, and then also learning how to love myself. So again, they're, they're kind of all interconnected. And you can't have one without the other, in my personal opinion. So when it comes to self-worth or a sense of low self-esteem, um, there's a lot of reasons why we might struggle with that as people, right? Um, for me personally, as I said, it, it really stemmed from my childhood. 
um, I, you know, uh, found throughout my life, you know, when I went through uh, middle school was particularly difficult for me. Um, I got bullied a lot. Um, you know, high school wasn't really fantastic. Um, I also didn't know at that time that I was kind of struggling with PCOS. So, um, I didn't know why I could eat the same things my friends ate and I was the only one who would gain weight. So, you know, there was a lot of body issues, you know, as I was growing up. Now I have transformed a lot of that. And so much of it has been, you know, um, due to my mindset. My mindset has then allowed me to view myself differently, um, to view my sense of self-worth, my sense of value in who I am very differently. Um, now, one of the, the things that I will say, um, as I have studied the Enneagram, I have found it really fascinating because I've often kind of thought, oh, you know, um, these are some aspects that my type, right? There are nine Enneagram types. There are some reasons why my type kind of struggles with this. Oh, well, that makes sense that I would also struggle with these other kinds of trauma and wounds. So again, understanding ourselves and understanding myself has allowed me to also see, oh, based upon my personality type, yeah, I might be taking some of those things more personally. I might struggle with some more of these other things. Now, um, you know, so my sister is a type seven, and I don't struggle with some of the same things that she struggles with um, because we have different personality types. But the root cause is from this place of lack, right? Um, it's from this place of kind of both not knowing, I think, who we are, but also, um, you know, I, I think some of these wounds are just kind of intricate or, or some of the, the potential wounds that could happen in our lives are also um, very deeply connected to who we are, our personality types. Because as you notice in the world, some people struggle with things that you don't struggle with. Other people struggle with different things. Um, you know, I've never really struggled too terribly much with any kind of, uh, need to, I wouldn't just say addictive personality because there's a whole lot of things that you could be addicted to. Um, but my sister, I think struggles a lot with, um, you know, really kind of, um, she'll use different kinds of things to distract herself from the thing at hand. Um, so, you know, if she's like, oh gosh, you know, um, I'm struggling with these kinds of feelings, um, you know, maybe, uh, some, some wounds or trauma that she hasn't worked through, she will kind of pretend it's not there. Or she will often say to me things like, oh yeah, you know, when I have gone through in the past periods of time where, you know, I was struggling a little bit financially, I would just not look at it and pretend it wasn't there. I don't do that as much. I tend to be the person who will dig in a bit. Well, that's also, if you look at our different personality types, both Myers-Briggs and um, Enneagram, we're different in those ways. And so, you know, there may be some different reasons why we have a sense of low self-worth or sense of low self-esteem. But what I have found is that it affects every area of, of our life. Um, even though they might show up a little bit differently. And this was very true for me. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily put myself forward, uh, either for a promotion or a certain kind of job in the past, I think, because I, I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I was the kind of person that, you know, those kinds of people were looking for. Um, I often, you know, would do some self-sabotaging in my relationships um, because, again, I didn't feel like I was good enough. Um, who could love me? And I have found as well, even when there are people who have achieved really great things in life or that society will say that they've achieved something really great in life, I think a lot of time, 
people deep down still feel like they're a fraud. And they'll really kind of get exposed at any moment, right? As, as being someone who is flawed. Um, regardless, I think of the, certainly of the work that we do in our life, the, um, the self-healing work, like I am still a deeply flawed person. Um, you know, like I still sometimes struggle with being frustrated about things where I'm just like, you know, um, does this, does this really have anything to do with, um, you know, uh, you know, what I can control. No, it doesn't. Well, then why are you angry about it? You know? Um, so I think a lot of it is, um, you know, really paying attention to these different kinds of patterns. I certainly know that there are a lot of people that feel like they need to do something before they can really be proud of themselves. Um, oh, well, I need to lose weight in order to be proud of myself. And so this is that not feeling enough, um, for themselves. And again, this is something that I really struggled with. Either I was not enough or too much. Often I was too much in the eyes of other people and of course not enough, but in my own mind, I was always not enough. So what does being enough for yourself really mean? It means being who you are. Uh, expect yourself to be. So one of the the things that I live by, and I heard this uh, from Diane von Furstenberg. She is a fashion designer. I think her story is really interesting because she married, um, she married some guy who you know was titled and whatnot. Hence, she became a um, von Furstenberg. Um, but she said she knew when she got married, she couldn't just be his wife. She needed something else. Again, partly that's personality type, partly that's also her feminine archetypes, right? Uh, so she, you know, started creating, you know, little dresses and different things. And so she's very much known for the wrap dress, which I find uh, really fascinating. But Diane von Furstenberg often has said, I am very hard on myself, but I'm also really good to myself. So being good enough for yourself, as I said just a minute ago, means being who you expect yourself to be. So I expect a lot out of myself. I expect to constantly be working on myself, uh, self-actualizing, uh, moving myself forward in life. But what this really means, though, is that my expectations for myself really match my perception of myself. So when I don't feel enough for me, there are usually two things um, at play, uh, two things that kind of work against me. And one is who I think I should be, and the other is who I think I am. Now, it's important to recognize that the problem of being not enough for yourself is an internal problem. So you will hear on the podcast, uh, me talk a lot about in different episodes and whatnot about really going into the underworld of my own psyche. So, um, when I started learning about feminine archetypes, I did not think that I was the maiden archetype, uh, Persephone, um, you know, uh, a different, there's different stages of the maiden archetype, but one is certainly the dependent daughter, right? And it's usually through psychological loss. Um, sometimes physical loss, that a woman will really go into the underworld of her own psyche. And what I found was I had a lot of Persephone, I had a lot of the maiden, and a lot of it was in the shadow, right? There's a light and a shadow side. And what I had to learn how to do was um, transform myself, reinvent myself. And so much of it came down to who I thought I was. It was, it was really changing my mindset. And going into the underworld of my own psyche meant I had to do a lot of the work internally. It wasn't just the external things. In fact, doing the in the inside work really meant that my outside life completely changed. Uh, like in, in very good ways, right? Not in terms of like what car I drove or what kind of house I lived in or those kinds of things. Um, sometimes the, the clothes I wore, cause I tend to be a woman who wears clothes as kind of, um, an armor, 
right? A, um, a way to present myself to the world. Um, I tend to have a kind of a classic style, um, bit of a French style, um, simpler, more simple colors, um, whatnot. And I use it as a way to be able to go out into the world and feel very good about myself. Um, but going into the underworld of my own psyche really meant, um, and, and I really found a lot of, um, insight when I looked at Inanna and Arishkagel. So this is a myth and it is a Sumerian myth. And Inanna is the queen of the great uh, above and Arishkagel is the queen of the great below. And they are sisters. And Arishkagel's uh, husband dies. Actually, Inanna had something to do with that. Um, I forget exactly what it was. But Inanna goes to uh, basically like the seven gates of the underworld and asks to be admitted so that she can see the funeral rites of her sister's dead husband. So there are these different gates and to get all the way into the underworld, you have to pass through each one of the seven gates. And in order to pass through, Gagal, excuse me, Inanna had to give something up to Arishkagal's um you know, kind of guard. And so basically she was completely disrobed. She had to give up her crown. She had to give up her scepter. She had to give up her necklaces. She had to give up her, you know, her dress. She had to let go of something as she went further and further into the underworld. And that is what I have found to be true about becoming enough for yourself. You have to let go of things. And for me, it was mindsets. It was old stories I had formed about myself that, first of all, no longer served me. But second of all, were never true. I picked them up along the way to protect myself, right? To create a story that helped me uh, navigate the world. But the thing was, is that each one of those stories was holding me back. Now, uh, I'm sure that there were more than just seven on my way down into the underworld of my own psyche. Um, but the process takes a long time. And I always say the process of healing and doing your self work, it takes the time it takes. You can't rush it. You can't force it. Um, you can't get down to the underworld any faster because you got to spend some time down there, right? Being stripped bare of everything. Um, really seeing yourself for who you are. Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about it as, you know, um, uh, you know, when your life has either been set fire to by an external source or by your own hand. A lot of times I will say in my own life, um, I'm going to burn this down. This isn't serving me anymore. Well, before I learned how to get rid of those old stories, I had never done that. And so, the problem, though, about setting things on fire in our lives, right, like burning it down, is that you don't know if there's going to be any new growth left. So you don't know what's going to remain. At the same time, unless you burn things down, unless you go into the underworld of your own psyche, unless you work through and you leave behind all these old stories that you tell to yourself about yourself, telling you that you're not good enough. So, you know, you, you've got to, you got to work through them so you can be good enough for you. Um, you know, you really got to look at who you think you should be and who you think you are. And that's really the only way that you can create this little pile of ashes and then really kind of become the Phoenix, Right. Um, certainly we've all seen that scene, or I shouldn't say we all, because I'm sure that there are some people who haven't, but most of us have seen that scene in Harry Potter, right? With the Phoenix in Dumbledore's office, the Phoenix gets set on fire, the ashes are there, and then a new baby bird is born. Now, once we have done some of these things, once we realize that not being enough for ourselves is internal work, um, it, you know, it's created in our mind and thus, you know, we can partly solve it through our mind, right? By changing how we think about things, 
That's actually how you change how you feel about yourself is by changing the things that you say about yourself to yourself. So that's called internal dialogue. Um, that is one of the first things that I did when it came to self-love, when it came to being enough for myself was I really had to look at what I said about myself because I was awful to myself, absolutely terrible. I said horrible things about myself to me. Um, But I think some of the other ways that we can really change or reprogram um, ourselves, our minds, um, so that we can also change how we feel about ourselves is really to look at where did your expectation for yourself come from? Um, I know for me, when I didn't feel good enough for myself, I was measuring myself against a version of me that wasn't my reality. Again, it was a story that I had built in my own brain in order to really protect myself, in order to keep myself from hurting or being hurt by others or being judged or not feeling like I was good enough or lovable or, you know, um, those times when my, maybe my emotional needs weren't getting met. So I think it's really important to dive into where this version of yourself came from in the first place. When did you start having such expectations of yourself? When did you start creating such stories about yourself? Because now you're entrapped, right? It's entrapment. You are living in a cage. Funny enough, most likely it was a cage built by you. Now, did your childhood have an influence on this? Yes, very much so. You know, our earliest childhood experiences absolutely contribute to this. But we are the ones who decide whether or not we're going to continue learning that way. Or, uh, excuse me, living that way. And one of the things that I have found is that it doesn't actually matter how old you are. Um, for me, you know, um, most of my twenties, I really struggled with, again, self-worth and, um, not loving myself, not being confident, not being good enough for myself. So of course, you know, that, that, uh, showed itself not only in my friendships, um, you know, whether or not I went after a certain job or, um, you know, a certain fitness goal or whether or not I, um, you know, built a business or the romantic relationships I was in, right? All of this contributed. But I think that we really have to, you know, look at these kinds of things and, and really see that we're very much influenced by our childhoods. We're also very much influenced by the people around us. I know for a long time, I, I would compare myself to others. Um, And I think another aspect as well is very much our society, Um, particularly being a woman in our society. I know that men have, you know, some of their, their own aspects of society, which really tear them down. But, you know, specifically for women, um, I feel like from society, it was very much taught comparison, right? Comparing myself to other women. Um, tearing down other women. That's something I also had to really work on. I had to kind of deconstruct. Um, I had to break it down and then rebuild it, which was, no, that other woman isn't my competition. I'm her cheerleader. I hope that she's mine too, but I'm her cheerleader. We can both win at life. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. And I think that that was really important for me too, you know, breaking down a lot of socially reinforced trauma responses, not getting enough sleep, overworking, um, you know, I think also a lot of my body image issues, um, you know, the, these sorts of things society, I think often really presents to us. 
and we subconsciously internalize other people's definitions of what our life should look like, what success looks like, um, what we should be doing. And then they are perfectly happy to give you their opinion and try to bring you down when you don't believe the same things that they do. I think often, particularly as women, but I, I certainly think that it can extend to men, we look at ourselves through the eyes of everyone but ourselves. And one of the ways that we have to change this is, you know, how, where we see talent. Um, I, of course, think that, you know, hard work is also uh, deeply important due to, uh, you know, um, not just talent, right? Um, you look at a guy like Michael Phelps, um, the U.S. Olympic swimmer. He has a body that's absolutely built for swimming. But if he didn't love it, if he hadn't cultivated it, his, quote, talent would only get him so far. So it's also really about taking the next steps, going to the next place. But he, and I think that, you know, um, athletes have to do this a lot. Um, I think that, you know, musicians have to do this a lot. Like, you have to get good at not giving a shit what anybody else thinks. Now, there are a few people that you should give a shit about what they think, right? Those couple of close people, close friendships, but almost everybody else. And I, I think that this is one of the reasons why, um, you know, we can, you know, we can, like for myself, you know, I can put out a podcast, I can have people criticize it. Um, I can put things out on social media, I can do videos and have people criticize them or, you know, the trolls or the whatnot. And that's okay to me because, you know, first of all, that shows a lot more about who they are than what I am. But I'm also perfectly okay with people having very different opinions than I do. I didn't used to that. I used to really struggle with that, right? Well, why would you think that way? It's this way. What I realize now is that, you know, thoughts, opinions, you know, I might think this way about something right now, but I'm also okay if that needs to change. I think that this is one of the issues with our a political system in the United States. Well, if you're not on this side, and if you don't think exactly the way that we do, then you're our enemy. And I think that that's, well, frankly, very ridiculous thinking. And I, of course, don't think that it's just within U.S. politics. Um, it's It's a lot of places. But, you know, I think that each political party is very much... Um, uh, looked at very poorly, um, you know, in media, you know, uh, certainly maybe with the populace, when, you know, a senator or uh, a representative will say, I'm not, I've changed my mind about that. Wait a minute, why is that a bad thing? So again, part of how we view ourselves and not being good enough for ourselves is because once we've adopted these kinds of um, patterns, these kinds of habits, uh, these kinds of stories in our minds, we tend to really stick with them. We, we hold on to them a lot and we allow everybody else to shape who we are instead of saying, no, you don't get a vote. You don't, I mean, you can say that about me, that's fine, but I'm not going to internalize that and I'm not going to believe that. So, you know, if you keep measuring yourself through the perspectives of your friends, through the perspective of your family members, um, through the perspective of the people you work with, you're never going to feel adequate. Um, what I found is that you will always feel like you fall short. I think that your expectations for yourself don't have to stay the same, certainly throughout your life. Um, you know, as you are listening to this podcast, you may be thinking about some of the things, the stories that you've cultivated that really hold you back. And that's a very good thing. Um, you don't have to stay uh, stick with those. I've gotten rid of a lot. That's part of the burning down process, right? 
where I set things on fire in my life. And I say, no, 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 that, that thought, that way of being is not serving me anymore. Um, you know, we can set new beliefs, uh, new, we can put new thoughts in our mind. We can change our perspectives on things. And so much of it starts with ourself. And I think that to be good enough for ourselves, we really have to keep our expectations for ourselves not realistic in terms of the sense of the the way that society will say be realistic, right? My mother says that a lot. Be realistic. I, I don't really believe that. I I say go big or or uh, shoot for something that you really want to go for and worry about being realistic later. But in terms of keeping your expectations for yourself realistic. I think we could change that to say, um, keep your expectations for yourself healthy, right? Within some healthy parameters. Are you suddenly going to be able to change your entire mindset in 20 minutes? No, you're not. Will it take 20 years? Oh, well, yeah, but you can make a lot of progress along the way. And I think that the other thing too, to really look for is to take every experience that happens to you in your life, um, no matter how negative and see it as a learning opportunity. Now, I very much do not believe in false positivity, right? Um, saying, oh, no, 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 that wasn't really that big of a deal. No, it was a big deal. It was horrible. It was hurtful. Um, it was awful when it happened to you. On the other hand, what can I learn from it? Um, how can I heal this? How can I move things forward? So that now, now when uh, bad things uh, or negative things happen to me, I say instead, okay, how can I heal this? How can I make this a, um, you know, it's part of my story, but I get to really determine not only how important it was in my story, but I also get to decide how I grow from it, what I learn from it, what kind of person I become or that I am, right? I'm always growing. I'm always changing. I'm always um, keeping uh, kind of new ideas open, right? Um, I think that a really good example of this is, is failure. So I fail at a lot of things, by the way. Um, I just had kind of a failure uh, today, uh, within our members club. I was so excited to put everything up on mighty networks and I'm still really excited to be there. Um, but so many of the women who want to join our members club, um, really say, uh, you know, uh, they, they want to be part of it. They want to be on their self-healing journey. Each month I bring forward this new self-healing topic. I call it a masterclass. Well, I've had a lot of women reach out and say, okay, so I was able to, you know, basically download the app, put up my personal profile. But then when I tried to go in to, you know, uh, join the members club and become a premium member, meaning I pay my $29 a month, it says that it can't do that. And so anyway, now I figured out that guess what? There's this thing where um, if you are an Android user, you have to go through your web browser. And I'm like, well, that's annoying. And so it, it feels like a bit of a failure, right? It, it's a stumbling block. Um, it was a weakness. It was a, it was something that I now have to, to, to tackle, to, um, to solve, a problem to solve. So, you know, I think sometimes, certainly in the past, I would say 10, certainly 15 years ago, I would have been like, oh my gosh, this is awful. I'm such a disappointment. I can't do this. I'm terrible at this. Instead, now I think, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Didn't know that. That makes sense why people are struggling uh, to join the members club and actually have access to um, all of the self-healing topics um, so that they can work on their self-healing. How do I fix this? So, you know, got on with the IT staff. I'm still working on it. Although by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure that it will be uh, taken care of. Um, but one of the things that I had to do was set aside my frustration. And I really had to keep my inner voice positive and also productive. Oh, okay, cool. Another problem. Well, all right. I expect problems, right? I expect things to come up. 
I expect people to sometimes say, um, you know, I didn't like that, or this doesn't work for me, or those kinds of things, right? And I think it's really important for us to set our expectations based on who we are, who we want to be, instead of just simply achievements. Um, I also think that it's really important for us to understand that we are enough because we are unique. Now, unique is a word that I use a lot. I'm a type four on the Enneagram, as I said earlier. And so being unique really matters to me. Um, I am not, I mean, I follow some things that the crowd does, um, but I also like to be a little separate from it. And I think that, you know, you could certainly interchange out your own word if you've got a better word that you like, but you're enough. I'm enough. We are unique human beings. Um, we don't have the same uh, levels of intelligence. We don't have the same physical characteristics. We don't have the same parents and upbringings, and we don't have the same educational background. And we don't all, at least, you know, um, until we grow them, we don't have the same emotional capabilities or capacities. But you can be enough for yourself. And I can certainly be enough for myself because I'm the best person to be me. You're the best person to be you. No one, absolutely no one could be you better than you. Just like no one could be me better than I am me. I can be the best me that I can be. Um, and I think what's also a really important piece is that you are capable of giving yourself all that you need. Now, it might seem like a daunting task because believe me, I have been there. And some days I still come up against it even though I've done a lot of my self-healing work. Now, I'm not saying that it ever ends, but what I am saying is that I've done a lot to get to the point where I feel very free in who I am, both mentally, emotionally, psychologically. I've moved into that place. Um, but I had to also understand that I am capable of giving myself all that I need. I'm capable of healing my wounds, my trauma, Sorry, I had to clear my throat for a minute. Um, I mean, I'm capable of healing all of these aspects of me. Now, it is a lifelong work. And, you know, I have to uh, put a lot of practices into place in order to be enough for myself, in order to love myself. But part of it means getting rid of what other people think and instead doing that internal work. Um going deep. Uh, but it also means that I'm here for me. You know, I'm not going to fail me. And um, I think that that's a really big aspect when it comes to loving ourselves, right? Uh, also creating more confidence within ourselves. Um, I think one really big aspect of that is really working with our inner child. Um, you know, how do we actually love ourselves? Well, by connecting with our inner child, we become that really loving parent to them, right? We protect them, we talk to them, we take care of their needs, just as we would with any small child, but it's within us. And I, I think that that's also a big part of actually loving ourselves. I am capable of caring for me. I'm also capable of digging into my inner child, really looking at at that, um, working on my self-love from the inside, working on being good enough for me by healing a lot of my wounds. So let's look at some ways that we can be good enough for ourselves, but also, um, you know, really learn how to create a lot of self-love. And I think one of the most important for me was really being willing to feel pain and to take responsibility for my feelings. So for a lot of my childhood, 
I repressed a lot of my feelings. Um, in fact, when we, when I look at the Enneagram, um, I was a type four, but then there are these things called instincts. So there's a one-to-one instinct, which is the sexual instinct. I am a sexual four. Um, I'm also a self-preservation four, meaning, um, I like one-on-one relationships, but I also, um, you know, enjoy kind of my own time, my own space. Um, and then the third uh, instinct is also, um, So that's the social instinct, you know, uh, caring a lot about kind of what happens within the group. I am less of the social, more of the self-preservation and the sexual. Um, But for a long time, I was a repressed sexual and self-preservation for. Um, I I really often felt, uh, particularly because of my mother, um, I've shared before on the podcast that uh, my mother has, at least I believe, untreated, undiagnosed borderline personality disorder. So I walked around on eggshells a lot in my childhood. Um, I was kind of constantly asked to, um, I guess, moderate her, modify her feelings, kind of take on her feelings. And so there wasn't a lot of ability to, or, or time or space to feel pain, to to really feel my own feelings. Um, I didn't know what taking responsibility for my feelings really ever meant. Um, so I, I, that's a really big step for me. Um, it was also really seeing that my feelings were very informational. They informed me about what was going on in my life. They informed me about whether or not I was judging myself, uh, whether or not I was actually making progress or whether or not I was, um, you know, kind of suppressing different things, whether or not I felt very abandoned at certain times, right? And by being willing to feel pain, being willing to feel my feelings and take responsibility for both. So what I had to realize and what I had to learn was it's not my fault that I was anxiously attached as a child, but it was my responsibility to heal it. So I found great freedom and and a lot of self-love, you know, uh, found a lot of value and self-worth within myself when I didn't repress my feelings. And when I took responsibility for my own healing. Um, I think another one was really um, committing to learning about myself. Um, Also being willing to learn about and sit with my emotions, even the ones that hurt me, that caused me pain. And, And this for me was a very loving action, right? So learning about myself is part of my self care. I do something every day that, uh, stretches myself a little bit more, right? Um, whether that's through research, through looking something up online, through listening to a podcast, through, um, you know, different, um, you know, kind of, uh, I guess accounts that I follow on Instagram, right? Some are, you know, self healing, some are, you know, conscious relationships, uh, some are on, you know, attachment style, some are on, um, feminine archetype, some are, you know, on, um, the Enneagram, whatever, but learning something new about myself, reading something new. I like to read a lot. Um, in fact, one of the things that I do enjoy reading quite a bit, you've heard me talk about this before is, uh, romance books. Um, some people think it's a total waste of time. I disagree. Um, there will be things sometimes that a writer, that an author will say, and, and usually, uh, most of the romance books that are written are written by women and they're written for women. Um, but there will be something in there where I'm like, wow, she accurately acknowledged a wound or an insecurity that I have as well. And she vocalized it in a way or wrote about it in a way that I just learned something about myself. I also learned something about how I show up in relationships and it might've been even something different from what the character did uh, in the book, but 
I find those, those moments very interesting. So being very curious about yourself, um, really led me to feeling like I could love myself, like I was worthy of being loved, um, being respected, being treated well, um, that, you know, I was enough for myself. So I would also really highly encourage you to continue learning about yourself, learning about who you are, sitting with your emotions, learning about your emotions. Um, when I first started working with my mentor, uh, he's a retired Navy SEAL, uh, he would talk a lot about um, being able to kind of have control over our emotions. I have a little bit of a different perspective, uh, which is more of being able to kind of feel through my emotions because I, I don't want to control them necessarily because I, I feel what I feel, but I want to be able to not be as attached to them, not be as attached to that anger, that shame, that loneliness, that pain, that sadness, whatever kind of comes up. Um, I had something actually yesterday where I was kind of like, wow, being hit by a lot of emotions today. Um, and I cried a little bit and, um, I recognized when I had a false belief in an old story and I said, no, no, Allison, remember that's an old story that we told ourselves. We're not going back to that. We were deconstructing that again. So just know that they will keep coming back up. Um, you don't get away from them forever. Um, it's not like you're like, oh, yes, I took care of that. Let's check that off the list. No, no. The things that, you know, you struggled with in the past, you're going to continue to struggle with probably your entire life. But they change shape a little bit or they diminish a little bit or they're not as potent or, you know, um, they will reveal themselves a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, what I did was I didn't, I didn't push down my emotions. I felt through them. But I also didn't allow my mind to go back to those old stories. Um, so that kind of leads me into another aspect, which is in order to love yourself Learn about your false beliefs. Learn about your old stories. Um, I, it's, it's very important to be very compassionate to yourself during this time. When you uh, learn about your beliefs and the behaviors and, and the habits that you have formed because of those beliefs. Um, it's going to dig up a lot of pain. So have a lot of compassion for yourself, but also remind yourself continuously Oh, okay. Yes. I'm feeling this pain right now, um, of this false belief. And, but I, I, I know what it stemmed from. It stemmed from trying to protect myself in childhood. That's something I would say a lot, right? Or it stemmed from putting up a defense mechanism after this really bad relationship. And then what I would also do was really try to deconstruct that you know, and say, all right, this is what we held on to in the past, but that has never actually been helpful. It's always hurt us. I, I think about me, um, my soul, my inner child, when I, when I kind of talk about us, it, it's hurt us in the past, Allison. This isn't, this isn't something we want to hang on to, right? If we want to become this person who is free, we don't need to pick up that baggage anymore. And this really, uh, you know, helped me a lot moving through those false beliefs. And, and one of the other ways that I would do things is with the false beliefs, with the stories that I would tell myself to keep myself safe. When I would bump up against them, you know, in the last few years, and then I would say, yeah, I absolutely believe that. No man will ever find me good enough or no man will ever love me. And what I had to do was I had to say, okay, all right, let's be honest. That's what we believe right now. That's what I absolutely believe. But what if I got a little bit curious about that? What if I softened a little bit? What if I 
What if I stepped away from that belief for five minutes? What if I believe the opposite? So for me, it was kind of kind of nibbling away at things, right? Um, it, it was kind of, um, taking little, little treks into changing my own mindset about things and saying, okay, well, what if the opposite is actually true? I know, I know we don't believe that right now, right? We absolutely hold on to this belief in this story. Um, no man will ever love us. No, absolutely not. But what if we let go of that for a little bit? That's what I did is I said, okay, for the next five minutes, even though I don't believe it, I am going to pretend something different. Well, and then the pretending became something real. And now I kind of look back and I say, wow, that's, I, I know why I did it, but wow, we, we held on to a lot of that pain for a long time. Um, we held on to a lot of that um, loneliness. We held on to a lot of these things that kept us trapped in our mind. Um, another thing that you might try when it comes to really loving, learning to love yourself. I usually think about my life. Uh, so I'm a very kind of forward thinking kind of person. Yes, I can dwell in the past a bit, but, and I've had to learn how to be a lot more present. What's going on right now? What can I build now? But one of the things that I found really important was not only looking at my weaknesses, not only looking at all the stuff that I have to fix, because let's be honest, there's a lot of it, right? And it's constantly there. I constantly come up against things where I'm like, mm, wow, I thought we healed this. Okay, let's come back around again. Sure, we healed it at that time, but now it's a new iteration. But the other thing is, um, for me, it was really building a vision of where I wanted to be in the future. And for a very long time, again, I think partly because of a, a lot of the maiden archetype within myself, uh, I was very creative. I had all these ideas, but it was really hard for me and I didn't know how to put them into practice. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm just, I've been so proud of myself over the past, you know, year or so with my business, uh, with this podcast. I didn't start the podcast until I said to myself, okay, you're not starting it until you know that you can record two podcasts and, and release two podcast episodes a week for the next five years. If you can't commit to that, we're not doing it. Um, and then it became one of those things where I was like, yeah, this is part of what I do. Um, the other thing for me is, and this is something, um, my, my Navy SEAL, um, mentor taught me, Tom Shea. Um, he said, Allison, you have all these ideas, all these things. He said, but you're never going to get anywhere in life. Um, which by the way, at that time was very hurtful. And now I'm like, yeah, preach it, brother. You're absolutely right. Um, and he said, you have to start with one thing at a time. And you have to do that one thing until you get it done. Now, you can have multiple one things going on. They just have to kind of be in some different categories. So he talked about the five pyramids of human performance. Um, one was um, relationships. One was spiritual. One was wealth. One was intellectual. And one was... Um, uh, health or physical, uh, I think I said physical already, um, intellectual wealth, physical, spiritual and relationships. So there's these five. And what he said was you pick one and you put one in every category. And in each one of those categories, you get to work on them all. Uh, it doesn't have to be every day, but you know, you can kind of figure out what kind of schedule you want. Each one is going to be weighted a little bit differently, but you don't get to put a new goal in that pyramid until you finish the first one. So you get to do one at a time. And that has been something very big for me. So building the life I want is part of seeing my future. The only way for me to build the life I want is by doing one thing at a time. So I have a goal each month when it comes to create love freedom and what I want to do. So last month it was uh, creating my first quiz, did it, got it out there. 
Um, and uh, this month has been uh, creating a welcome email sequence. Um, because, you know, when people take the quiz, um, I, and, and when people sign up for things, I want them to feel like they're in the right spot, like they're loved, they're nurtured, they're taken care of, right? Because I'm trying to build a community. I'm not just trying to, I'm not just trying to sell people things. Now, I very much believe that the things I do sell will be deeply powerful and helpful to help women move their lives forward, to help them do their self-healing, and also to help them, you know, deeply improve their relationship both to themselves um, as well as with any sort of romantic partner. But in order to really get the life that you desire and that I desire for my own life is to do one thing at a time. So if it takes me a little longer than I think, that's okay. I stick with it until it's done. It was the same thing with my self-healing. I did one thing at a time. Now, there would be plenty of times where I'm going to be like, oh, okay, I lack confidence and whatnot. Oh my gosh, I have an abandonment wound. Oh, oh, what does that mean? And that's it. No, hold on. One thing at a time. We're going to, we're going to research this. We're going to study this. We're going to look at courses, you know, see if we can find a course that, that really tackles this thing. Oh, no, no. And then I try to go off and be like, oh, boundaries, boundaries over here. No, no, no. Come back. Right. One thing at a time. And then when you've kind of exhausted that thing and you're like, okay, I think I've made a couple positive steps forward. Now I can move on to the next thing. So what that does is that sets you up for a life where you're healing. It also sets you up for a life where you are then living that best self, where you are then living what you desire. But you're also in the process of creating it, right? So you are, you're building the life that you've always dreamed of. And I think that that is so critical and profound to getting what we want out of life, getting out of those spots and those times where we feel really, uh, yeah, lonely, um, where there's a lot of shame, where there's a lot of hurt, where we feel stuck, where we don't feel like our life is moving forward, where we want someone to come and save us, you know, all these different kinds of things. And my other, um, the other thing that I would say is allow that big picture you, what you want from your life in the future, allow it to shift and change. Because five years ago, when I got out of uh, one really bad relationship, I've only had one, but I got out of that really bad relationship, I thought my life would look very different. I had no idea that I could build what I've built so far today. And even five years from now or 10 years from now, my life is going to look different. And the things that were important to me at different points in my life aren't going to be there anymore. And that's okay. So allow your future self to kind of be this growing, changing, living organism on its own. Allow it to grow and change as your mindset changes as you change out those old stories that you've held, as you look at being good enough for yourself, as you become more confident in who you are, because you also deeply love yourself and you also deeply value yourself. So another part of that, which we talked a little bit about just a second ago was, you know, taking action, taking loving action. That's what I meant when I was, um, you know, talking about, I did one thing at a time. So when it comes to like self-love and whatnot, what can I do to love myself instead of just how can I feel love for myself? So there are a lot of ways to love ourselves. For me, it also stems from, you know, getting enough sleep, um, exercise, um, eating really well, having a job that I like, and when I don't like my job, you know, changing it, building something for the future, um, taking, you know, really good care of myself you know, when it comes to self-care. Um, I think I mentioned having really good friendships. Um, I think another is also for me, um, making sure that my finances are in order to some extent, you know, am I building for a future? Am I taking action to get where I need to go? Um, so if I have, for me personally, when I have um, kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, things have been going pretty well. I, I've done some healing work. 
And then I'll say, ooh, what's something new I could try? What's a new course I could take? What's a new community I could be a part of? Um, could be an online community, right? Could be uh, going out and um, being part of um, a different kind of, you know, group, right? Even if it's something as interesting as, you know, like, um, you know, it could be a rock climbing group, or it could, you know, it could be something physical, it could be something intellectual, right? I'm always looking at, okay, what kind of credential would I like next? What, what kind of, and not just for the credential for the letters after my name, but what thing do I want to learn? Oh, that's cool. I could get a certification, excuse me, certification, <laughs> certification in this other thing. Um, I'm looking at something now. It's spiritual. Um, no, that's not spiritual psychology. What is it called? Uh, anyway, I, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at a new course. I'm looking at a new thing. Um, and so I think that that also, when we're able to build that out and take loving action, this also reiterates to ourselves that we can take care of ourselves, that we are safe with ourselves, and that we love ourselves right? It builds that sense of self-worth because we're actually moving some things forward. I think another is also reevaluating things over and over again. I think it's really important to check in, right? Um, to see if the actions we're taking are actually useful, to see if the, um, the ways that we're spending our time um, the, the ways that, uh, you know, we kind of check in with our pain or our anger or our shame, are those things getting healed? And then I think kind of going back again and saying, okay, hold on, I kind of missed something here or all right. Um, you know, still, still not really feeling all that confident. What other kinds of things do I need to heal? What other kinds of wounds? So I think as well, it's looking at ourselves. I think it's also looking at our patterns. Um, I have found that my relationships will often show me a lot of the patterns that I've been stuck in. Oh, I was in that kind of relationship again. Well, it's kind of similar to this one, whether it be a friendship, a romantic relationship, um, a relationship with a family member. Oh, wow. I really let aunt so-and-so walk all over me again gosh, yeah, she really had something to say again about the fact that I'm single and I don't have kids. Hmm. Okay. So that's now a pattern. What am I going to kind of do to reconnect with myself, to love myself, to move myself forward? Uh, sometimes it's also eliminating certain people from our lives. So these are just some things that really helped me, um, both uh, learn, you know, how to love myself and also to be good enough for myself. And, you know, it is a constant process. Um, although I have not gone back to the dark times of, you know, five, 10 years ago, um, I still have some days every once in a while where I'm like, wow, I'm really feeling down on myself today. Okay. How do I need to change that? What story am I trying to concoct in my brain? to make myself feel a little bit better or to protect myself. Okay. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to later go back through and deconstruct another story. So those are just some ways that I do that, that I love myself. Um, a big one actually for me was, you know, when I was really in the dark times, um, when I was really, I gotten out of a really bad, abusive, um, relationship and it was a very short relationship, but whatever. Um, so I put a lot of effort into it ahead of time, went to meet the guy, uh, was around him for about three weeks and was a shell of the woman I am today. And even uh, the woman I was before I went to spend three weeks with him. And, you know, one of the things that I, you know, those were really kind of the dark times for me. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I, you know, I haven't gone back to necessarily that place, right? But I think it's really making small corrections. Um, you know, when you think of a pilot flying a plane, if they get slightly off track, right? Or if you think about a parent, right? 
instead of letting the child, um, you know, act out, um, you know, where, you know, a few months or a few years from now, the child will be um, very difficult to handle. You make small corrections. It's kind of like the pilot flying the plane, right? Small corrections get you back on track. Small little things. Um, and yesterday for me, it was, nope, hold on. Nope, we're not going to go back to that. We're not, we're not going to think that way. That's not who we are. And so putting that, putting my current identity in place of a past story has also been really helpful for me. So I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Um, just know that I am fixing the problems on Mighty Network. So if you would like to come over and join us and be part of our self-healing uh, journey, our self-healing community of women, um, you can go to at Create Love Freedom on Instagram, click on the link in our bio. Um, although in the future, if it's got to be done through web browser, I will probably just send you to the website link. Um, and I actually believe that I have that as part of the footer on today's show notes. So go there, click there. And, um, I believe you can do it from your phone. You just have to do it from a browser. And that way you can actually sign up for the members club and join us there. And, um, you know, be introduced to a new self-healing topic each month. If you have a self-healing topic that you would like me to cover, please reach out. Um, If you have a podcast episode that you would like me to cover, please reach out. You can email me. um, I am createlovefreedom at gmail.com. Or you can also go to Instagram and send me um, a message. Uh, direct message. I have people who uh, message me all the time and uh, let me know different podcast ideas or different things um, that they would like to hear more about, um, whether it be a topic or just a something that's kind of going on in their life. So know that um, here in the future. Um, I'm really excited. I've been lining up a few podcast guests And so, you know, again, if there is a topic where you'd like to hear more than just my perspective, um, let me know about that kind of topic. And I will definitely uh, try to find, uh, you know, some some other very like-minded people who can continue to give you insight on your self-healing journey, the things that you are both struggling with, and the kind of tools to really help you get there. Um, That's really kind of my entire uh, point of of doing this, of, of sharing things on the podcast. And also, if you haven't taken our um, quiz, it is for, uh, it's really about the different kinds of masculine wounds that a feminine woman can have. And each of us has both masculine and feminine energy. As feminine w- women, we are, uh, you know, have more of our, um, you know, more of that deep feminine uh, energy. At the same time, though, there are a lot of wounds. And I found that there are a lot of kind of masculine wounds that really hold us back. Uh, the fear of abandonment, um, the uh, the father wound, and also um, certainly the, um, um, what am I trying to say? Um, the fear of intimacy. So I hope that, again, today's episode was helpful for you. Until next time.